Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Please consider supporting Black Women United YEG for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. You can learn more about them at bwunited.ca. They are always looking for donations and volunteers. So please, again, support Black Women United YEG for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. Again, that website is bwunited.ca. Hi, this is Mark Lee Morrison from the podcast Low Profile. I live in Olympia, Washington with my wife and two daughters, and I support Vishkana's creative control on Patreon because I appreciate his journalistic integrity. Vish talks with a lot of artists I care about, and he never asks any boring questions. I love hearing his interviews, and as a Patreon supporter, I get to hear even more of them. If you enjoy creative control too, I implore you to join me as a sustaining contributor. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash creative control today. Steph Yates is a musician and multidisciplinary artist who currently divides her time between Montreal, Quebec and Guelph, Ontario. Known for her work in the noisy rock bands Esther Gray and Cupcake Duct Tape, Yates has recently emerged as a solo artist under the name Cots. Producers Sandro Perry and Scott Merritt worked with Yates to create Disturbing Body, a stunning debut by Cots that Boiled Records will send into the world on August 11th, 2021. Friends from our days in Ontario, Steph returns to this show to discuss the influence of classical guitar, celestial mechanics, and relationships on Disturbing Body, aloneness versus loneliness, the beautiful, vulnerable videos that have been released for three new singles thus far, how things change or can change in music these days, learning new ways of singing with Sandro Perry and Scott Merritt, future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control with additional support from Blackbird Music, a well-stocked record store with locations in Edmonton and Calgary and friendly staff who will happily help you source special orders for hard-to-find titles, which you can learn more about at blackbird.ca. Plus, in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton. 
This is the 625th episode of Creative Control, featuring the wondrous and brilliant Steph Yates of Cots, with your host, me, Vishkana. Hi, Steph. How's it going? Hi, Vish. It's pretty good. How about you? Oh, I'm well, thank you. Uh, where in the world are you today? I am in uh, Wasaga Beach with my folks. Oh, lovely. I used to go to Wasaga Beach with my folks when I was younger. We went up there a few times. It's nice, isn't it? I love it, yeah. Now, where yeah I-, I love the beach and the and the kitschy mini putt. <laughs> oh, yeah, there is a kitschy mini putter up there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Forgot yeah. about that. Uh, for for those listening from around the world, whereabouts uh, in the world is Wasaga Beach? Can you, I'm not, this um, isn't a GPS segment necessarily, but just for people wondering where you are. Sure. It's on, uh, it's on Nottawasaga Bay, attached to Georgian Bay. Mm-hmm. And that is uh, about an hour and a half North of Guelph. Right. Northern Ontario is, uh, or not even the most north, but it's North Ontario? I don't know that I would call it Northern Ontario, but... Is it still Southern Ontario? You've you've gone north. Guelph is Southern Ontario. That's indisputable. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But this is not... You've gone north, but you're not north. I think I think that's true. I think that's fair to say. But if you were a Toronto, if you were like a bougie Toronto person and you were going to Wasaga Beach, you'd surely tell your friends, heading up to northern Ontario, right? That's probably what you'd do. Or you'd just sort of say that more vague thing, going up north. Going up north. Exactly. Yeah. You're going north of where you are. So you're, yeah. you're north. Okay. All right. Anyway, it's that's lovely. I'm glad you've had some time with your uh, to do that with your family. Uh, how's your family yeah. doing? Thanks. Yeah, they're doing pretty well. We're all double vaxxed. Oh, nice. And my brother and his kids are coming up on the weekend and should be should be pleasant. Nice. That's great. Now, if I recall correctly, uh, you've been on this show a couple of times before. Do you have any recollection of talking to me uh, in the past? Yes, I believe you're right. Twice. Yeah. Uh, That's what I remember, too. Yeah. So I think the first time we probably talked about your band, Esther Gray. Yes. The second time we talked about Cupcake Duct Tape. Yes. Now you're back and you have another new name. But this is mostly... The other things were collaborative things that you kind of helped helm. This is you, right? Yeah. Okay. This doesn't do anybody a disservice by describing it this way. I, I can tell you're being diplomatic. Am I? <laughs> no, no, you, no, you're not. No, sorry. It's my my inclination is to never it is to be diplomatic. So not to, you know, diminish anyone else's role in a project. Well, a lot of, of projects. Course. Yeah, that's all I was getting at. But Cots is uh, actually on that level. Cots is a collaborative expression because you worked with some really cool people. So let's let's get into yeah. all of this together because cots uh, my main distinction there was 
the previous entities we talked about were a little loud or quite loud, depending on the song and the uh, circumstance. Cots is not loud. So let's start there. How did Cots come about uh, from your conception? Well, some of these songs uh, I began writing probably five or six years ago, and they didn't seem to fit with the other groups I was in at the time that I was writing for. So they got shelved or tucked away. And I tend to write in fragments and then circle back. And so in 2018, when my other projects had really quieted down, I spent some concerted effort uh, finishing these songs and composing some new songs and trying to flesh out a record, something, you know, a set of songs that I could put forward and work on in that way. Okay, so you're saying 2018. So as we're speaking, three years ago, it dawned on you that uh, this could be something to explore. May I ask why the other projects slowed down, per se? Because they did have, particularly, I think, towards Cupcake Duct Tape was the band that had really been still going Maybe more so than Esther Gray? Am I misspeaking? No, I would say Esther quieted down before Cupcake did. Right. So quieting yeah. down is an interesting choice of words here. <laughs> because literally these were, as I suggested, these were really loud bands. Is that an unfair assessment? Would you agree those were loud bands? Yeah, I would say they were noisy. Noisy. Noisy is a better word. Yes. That is, yeah. you are great at words. Noisy is better <laughs> to me. Okay, so there were noisy bands. They literally quieted down, uh, and then you quieted down. Was there something about that mode of expression that you wanted to kind of not get away from? That sounds too deliberate and harsh. But I would think that after making music in such noisy bands, it's like when you're in a band and on tour, I often, and in my own experience, sometimes when you get back in the van after you've played a show, sometimes you don't even turn the radio on. You just want that stillness. Was there any of that notion informing your choice to kind of go in this COTS direction? I wouldn't say there was to begin with. And it wasn't the plan for those projects to die out necessarily. And I still have an interest in making noisier music, but it does seem to suit me right now. And I mean, towards the end of 2018, I sustained a concussion. Yes. And most certainly following that, I tried to avoid noisiness. And so this seemed very suitable music for me to be exploring. Yes, absolutely. I remember the concussion because sometimes I would say, hey, Steph, do you want to go see a show? I have an extra ticket now. It was always last minute. I'm sorry about those. But I was like, who is cool that would go with me to Toronto at the last minute? You know, and I thought you would want to go, but you would, I forgot. Frequently, that concussion really waylaid you, didn't it? Like you couldn't really do much. No, it dragged on. It was very, it can be a really mercurial condition that comes and goes. Sometimes I'd feel just like myself again and then do a little bit too much, whether it was work on the computer or, you know, just too much energetic activity or cognitive activity. And I would have a setback and be sort of exhausted and nauseous and all these things. 
Just uh, just to jump in here though, because I made yeah. it, I made it seem like the concussion was the main reason that you didn't want to hang out with me. <laughs> was that the case, or was that an, a convenient excuse for you to be like, "No, I don't want to go to a show with you, you loser"? Like, what what, what was your feeling when I no, would? I, I, I thought it was a; those were very kind invitations, okay. and I appreciated right. them just, very much. Just a little ego, uh, uh, you know, gratification from, for me yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, I just needed it because I realized I sounded like that must have been why. When really, you could have been like, "What? A, well, I don't want to go to anything with him." Anyway, my point is this. Should we uh, dwell on this concussion enough to just ask, uh, for curiosity, I don't want to get too personal, but is it worth talking about how you sustained it? Because there's a lot of concussion stuff in the air. Uh, this sounds like a horrible thing, and it also sounds like I uh, uh, hang out with people who are accident prone. But my wife right. is actually, uh, I don't know how much I'm supposed to talk about it, but she's she works in publishing, so she gets pitches from people. And there's been a lot of con- concussion dialogue. Uh, people wanting yeah. to talk about the condition of, particularly women. Women, uh, I don't know if, what the percentages are. I don't know if you've done any research on this, but one of the things she's working on is a book just from women's perspectives on suffering concussions. And I thought that was rather fascinating. You huh. and at least one other person I know in Guelph identify as women, have had concussions. So I heard a lot about what that was like. Anyway, sorry, do you want to? Just briefly address anything uh, I just said or talk a little bit about how you sustained the thing? Very briefly, I, w- I was a pretty avid cyclist and uh, a FedEx truck turned into me. Oh, no. And it didn't seem so bad at first, but it's really stuck around. Uh, and one of the a, a common side effect that comes out of a con- concussion is depression and oh, I've been sort of working through, you know, managing depression since then. Okay. Yeah. I appreciate your candor there, and I don't want to dwell too much uh, more into it, uh, just out of respect for you. But um, I'm sorry to hear that as as a friend. Uh, Thanks. That's, uh, that's sad. Did any of that... So we've kind of talked about how that experience may have s- sort of led you into making quieter music just because of the volume but is that too direct a line yeah okay because i i was i was tuning into the work in this sort of world that became cots prior to the collision so i was already oh, okay. focused on it okay and it just seemed then lucky i guess that <laughs> yeah that i was doing quiet music in a time when that's what i needed the album is called disturbing body so there's yeah. there's some stuff obviously going. I mean, I'll let you talk about it because I know it's not as literal. Uh, lit- uh, my sense, anyway, from the songs is that it's not literally necessarily about uh, human bodies. But I know that that notion of bodily behavior, I guess, uh, runs throughout the. From what I can tell, anyway, throughout the songs, did the experience of having a concussion uh, and having this experience with your body, you know, not behaving the way it used to for an extended period of time. Did that inform any of the songwriting here? I would say no, because these songs, I believe they were all composed prior to the collision. I mean, I might have tied up some loose ends afterward. So I would say no. Not, Not at all. Okay, so all of these songs were written prior to this collision, prior to the concussion. What do you want to say about this overall 
I don't want to say concept unless you agree that the disturbing body, I mean, when you title something, you've kind of conceptualized something, right? <laughs> right. If, you've, if you've created a project and you give it a title, uh, there is some conceptual framework where what does the term disturbing body mean to you and what might it mean to us in this context? Sure. It's a term that comes from celestial mechanics, and it, it does refer to a celestial body that pulls another in its orbit, in mm. its course. Mm. And so when I first heard that term, I was really struck by it. It seemed really loaded to me and strange to me. And I thought how human bodies are like celestial ones in in the same way that we influence each other in these invisible ways and where we go in life is affected by our attraction and pull mm. uh, towards other people that's some heady stuff if i might say um it's a kind of a cosmological <laughs> uh, take mm -hmm. on how we interact and how we exist in the universe as a planet even maybe um mm. Where where did this fascination with this notion of push and pull, I suppose, where did that come from for you specifically? Do you have a sense of that? No, I, I don't really have a sense for where that interest came from, but I am interested in it. I am interested in the in the way we influence each other. And I mean, it can seem that we make decisions on our own, but certainly there are many forces at work acting on us that cause us to make the choices that we do. I mean, I, it's not like I, I'm studying this field or anything, but uh, I'm curious about it. Aren't, aren't all of us who engage in relationships studying this field, per se? That might be, Vish, yeah. That that very well could be true, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, sorry, I make a conversation podcast where I'm always talking to different people from around the world about where they're at, what they're doing. In a sense, they are, well, I mean, in some cases, they're not fleeting relationships for me. Sometimes the, there's a rapport and you stay in touch and, and maybe you talk again in an official or in unofficial capacity. But I think sometimes that I'm trying to, by doing this work, that I'm trying to learn about myself and I'm trying to learn about other people. Mm -hmm. And and how they function uh, can dictate how I function or, or can mm -hmm. contemplate functioning differently. Do you find in your work as an artist that part of what you're doing is trying to kind of get at a understanding, general as it might be, but an understanding of different behavior, human behavior, uh, feelings, like just the emotions and things we do, like is that part of your, not your process, but is that is that maybe even subtly something you're potentially exploring? Yes, absolutely, yeah. yeah. You summed it up very nicely. I was kind of fumbling and mumbling, I thought, but thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate you saying that. What is your, I mean, we're all fascinated with relationships. Is there anything in your about you and your experience in relationships that may have sort of triggered this idea of like, what is this? What are we doing? Why do I interact <laughs> with people this way? Why do I have a partner sometimes and sometimes I don't? Like, was any of that kind of circling around? Well, I didn't sit down to write the record with 
with an overarching theme in mind. It, it was a collection of songs that seemed to start to fit together as I worked around them and worked with them. And writing a song lyrically can sometimes feel like just feeling around in the dark. It's not, mm. I don't necessarily sit down to write a song about something in, in a very intentional, clear-sighted way. Mm. I mean, it, the things that I'm interested in will inform the work that I do, and it's, but it's not always a straight line between what I'm exploring and what I end up making sort right. of thing. Right, Yeah. You start with an idea, and then it goes wherever it goes. Right. In terms of lyrics. Okay. So that that makes sense to me. Do you, now that, I mean, as we're speaking, this record we're talking about is going to be, when is it out again? August 11th. August 11th. So we have a, a little bit of time. Uh, one of the reasons we're speaking is because you're participating in a uh, in the Hillside Festival, and I, I want to talk about that uh, in, mm-hmm. in a bit. But sorry, one of the reasons we're speaking so early, or one of the reasons people are hearing us speak so early, let me put it that way. I'm all jumbled up, Steph. I've done so many interviews. They're all in the can. You know, a lot of them are just saved from like months ago and I'm trying to get them out into the world. But I end up like the other day, I like I posted an episode in June that I recorded like in early March and it held up. I was happy. You know, there was some there was some discussion about snow and cold. But I mean, overall, I think it held up. Yeah. But I'm sorry. Just for this is just from the people listening. So they understand what temporal strife I go through every day with this ep- with the show, you know, and when to put stuff out. But as we're speaking, uh, we're having a chat, and the pe- the one that people are hearing, we've conducted relatively recently. Man, the fourth wall really came down there. That's for- right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry. The record isn't quite out, so you haven't had the experience of uh, a-, a large amount of people uh, beyond your circle of friends and collaborators, whether they're business associates or musicians haven't had to receive it process it give you something to think about you know like oh oh that's what you took from that song like that have you had that experience with your other work where you put something you you think it's one thing maybe quietly uh you know it's open to interpretation but that someone says that book you made or that art you made oh it makes me think this have you been surprised by the way your work has been received ever yeah i'm I'll, I'm not sure I can think of a specific example, but I I do love it when that happens. Yeah, and I think that yeah, I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to take that away from someone by spelling it all out too much for them. Yeah, okay, I get the hint. I get what you're saying there. We, we're not going to spill <laughs> the beans here. That's fair. But but having you know put the record through its manufacturing process now, if you will, you've kind of had to let go of it. Uh, it is what yeah. it, it's. It is what it's going to be, at least in terms of its physical format. You could always these days. You could. Isn't that weird that you can change a song digitally? Like you could. You could be like, you know what? That thing I put on Bandcamp, I didn't like it. I'm gonna. <laughs> ah. I'm gonna add a trumpet. You know, you could do that. Have you ever thought of that? That's a weird thing we do now. I guess that's true. I I guess I did that once. Oh, with, you did. Uh, yeah, there. This this old cassette release that Esther Gray did, uh, it was online on Bandcamp. And there was an alternate version of one of the songs that we never really got it right. I never really liked it, but I felt compelled to have this this version on, on the tape. Yeah. And at one point I just decided, oh, 
forget that. I'm going to just swap it out with the version that I like. And ah. I, I just, uh, I just did. And yeah. So you can do that now. Isn't that a weird thing? You can totally mess with people's minds. As far as I know, nobody, nobody noticed. Yeah. So, yeah. This uh, came to the fore for me when Kanye West put out that Life of Pablo album. And the reports were that listeners started to notice that he he was changing the songs without telling anyone. <laughs> and, you know, at that point, he was still, he was on the decline in terms of him being endearing. But I thought it was kind of endearing and interesting that, you know, yeah. I, I I interviewed uh, Chris Novoselic from Nirvana in like 2013, and they they redid In Utero. Uh, he had the idea after hearing like a Doors Greatest Hits album. And what they had done with the master tapes is they redid everything. So the guitar solo that was really low in the mix or erased from the final mm. mix, put the fader up. So that right. version of In Utero that came out in 2013, if you got the fresh mixes, totally different listening experience for the exact same song. Wow. And anyway, sorry, this is a bit of a tangent, but it's quite a tangent. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to double back and say this is a huge tangent from where I was coming from when I started this line right. of questioning. But you've... You know, as a child, I fantasized about a CD that would start to change, you know, after oh. maybe a hundred listens. Oh, that's fascinating. As a child? And I, as, as a young, as a young, you know, listener, when I was young and starting to listen keenly and had maybe listened to a No Doubt album a hundred times yeah. and then th thought, wouldn't it be amazing if it started to change as I listened to it, you know, or I heard something new, Yeah, something new appeared, you know. Anyway, I guess that that happens now uh, on the internet. Well, it can. On the one hand, I think it's a glorious time. What a time to be alive if you're an artist and this is what you can do with this ephemeral, the ephemeral version of your art. However, mm. many artists I know, and I don't know if you count yourself among them, are sensitive perfectionists. Um, mm. They have trouble letting go and making mm -hmm. that final decision like, yes, the record is mastered and it is done. There's always mm -hmm. that. Have you had that? I always have it. In the mm -hmm. times I made records, you listen back. You, you've gone through this strenuous process of vetting the thing, but then when it's finally out, that's when you have the regret. Uh, <laughs> like when you finally said yes, and you know that people are... Have you ever had that, where you kind of regret the thing you put out? I mean, you mentioned the Esther Gray example, but is there any other thing? No. Acutely. Okay. I think that sometimes I I can listen back to something old and think of how I would do it differently if yeah. it were in front of me right now. But for the most part, I'm okay with with how things are. But I I do have trouble finishing things, declaring them finished. So it's hard to get to that point. And mm. I found it immensely helpful to have other people involved in the process of making this record. Yeah, yeah. Um, that yeah. I could really feel the the psychological support in in that getting to that point of declaring it finished. Yeah. Well, we'll get to those people uh, in a moment. But I started this bizarre but interesting fruitful tangent. Let's call this a fruitful tangent. Is that okay <laughs> with you? Are you okay with it's that? It's fine. Yeah. yeah. So what I was getting at there was you have had to let go of this record. Do you have, and, and again, p 
people will hear it. They'll have their interpretations of what's going on. Do you have a sense now that you've let go of it in this regard? Do you have like perspective on it, on what you might have been going through at the time of the conception of these songs? Uh, does any of that come to the fore at all? Do you have a sense of where you were kind of at and what this might mean to Steph Yates? This being the record, the, the record or this as the record is the record is out. No, no, the record is the record in terms of the, you were talking about the lyrics uh, earlier, and I mm-hmm. want to stick to that because I think sonically that's a whole other conversation, and I think that's when we can maybe bring in the uh, the collaborators and and everyone else. I'm specifically wondering about it as from your perspective as a lyricist. Because sometimes yeah. you don't know what's... Until a thing is done and the batch of songs that you've collected is complete. Like you've you've decided this is the collection of of this expression. Like this... You know what I'm saying? Like then you're kind of like, oh, interesting. Like I'm thinking about the lyrics more. I'm singing them. What the hell? Where did that come from? And then you kind of think... Mm. Do you know where I'm coming from? Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 I think they are a set of lonely songs, but not... Or, or aloneness is maybe the the a word that comes a bit closer. It's something like having known closeness and having hmm. let go of it or lost it. There's some there's some part of that that is woven through the record quite a bit. Isol- and, isolation, alienation, these sorts of things. Well, it's not necessarily always a bad thing it, i mean it's not always a, it can be tinged with melancholy but not not sad yeah i, I yeah. think of the songs as i think there is a spirit of independence there and you know the observer who is paying attention to what's happening internally while undergoing emotional experiences well, you are someone who often has traveled on your own, right? That's true, yeah. You've explored different parts of the world with just, and, and you meet the people you meet kind of thing, right? Right. Yeah. So you've this is maybe a marker or an extension of that independent spirit. I really like what you're saying there, that isolation or loneliness, sorry, being alone and loneliness are two different things. Right. You're. I think you're saying that being alone is good. It can be good. It can be. <laughs> it can be fine. It can be fine yeah. to to be on your own and navigating whatever the day brings. You know, I I go back to the thing where I invited you to some concerts. Every time you said no, I would or whatever like events or whatever, I would go by myself. And I often, mm-hmm. because I was older in Guelph. Uh, I mean, I had some friends who were my age, and we're all parents. But I would find ways to sneak away to Toronto. Often by myself, because I couldn't mm-hmm. think of anyone who would be available. They got work in the morning. They got this, they're that. And I would kind of try to make a point of going to see something I was interested in. And I did it by myself. And to be honest, on some level, I liked it. Like, do you like? Because yeah. I, yeah. I didn't have to like, oh, I got to. Sorry, you know, you have to. I, this sounds selfish. I don't mean to sound selfish. But I like the idea of just like, I don't have to wait for anyone. Uh, I don't have to, they have to go to the bathroom, they have to eat a snack, I can just, yeah, I can do those you things. You don't have to explain yourself to anyone either. If you, yeah. if the, the construction site across the street catches your eye and you want to go look at it a little bit, you don't have to feel like you need to give someone an explanation. Exactly. So does that make us, so you, I gather you relate to what I'm saying? 
Yeah, it really, yeah. And and you value that bit of independence. You value your independence. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, I mean, I would, of course, be lonely sometimes traveling alone. And then sometimes it would feel so, it feels just wonderful. I feel so free. So it's not like it's always easy. No. But there are, of course, all those benefits you just described. But I would argue that, and by the way, you weren't the only person I would ask sometimes. It's just, uh, I the inclination for me was to invite someone to come along. And sometimes it would work. Sometimes people were up for it and we would go on this little adventure. And sometimes it just because of the... I. Part of my thing, I will just, to, just to be frank, like sometimes I wouldn't know I had the extra ticket until the day of the show. Um, right. Uh, often with guest lists and things like that. Sorry, this makes me sound like I'm some special dude. I'm on the <laughs> guest list. I just, that's just the nature of my work is they're like, hey, yes, you're a media person. We can squeeze you into this sold out show plus one. You're, and I, you're very special, Vish. No, this is not what I'm trying to say. <laughs> well, my point is that I was trying to share the specialness with my friends, and sometimes it would yeah. work, and sometimes it wouldn't. But my inclination was to ask someone to come with me. Uh, just to, I'm just trying to counter the potentially misanthropic notion I was putting forth earlier about how I don't need anyone holding me back. I can just do my thing. I would ask people. like Socially, I was interested in hanging out, but then if no one could go and I would go by myself, kind of liked it. Kind of yeah. didn't mind it. So I think you are maybe you're kind of getting at that a little bit with some of these songs exploring what it's like to be an independent person uh but knowing that you're going to be drawn to other people at some mm-hmm. point yeah okay mm-hmm. okay i think we've covered <laughs> the uh master's thesis components of the interview for the most part however <laughs> Uh, before we get to the collaborators and the sonics of this record, which I find very fascinating, you have made a few videos uh, in the lead up to this album coming out, and I do think they're worth discussing. Would you agree? Sure, yeah. Okay. They're very artful videos. Is there three videos currently? Yeah, three videos with collaborators. Natalie Logan, she did the video for Disturbing Body. Hmm. Patrick Cruz did the video for Bitter Part of the Fruit. And Eula Benavolsky did the video for Flowers. Nice. Thank you for for crediting them. Now, how would you, because I feel like there's a conceptual thread running through the videos. The videos, I think, have some similarities or enough similarities and enough a sense of narrative cohesion that I feel like the videos themselves are sort of connected. Is that wrong? I mean, it can't be wrong. It's a thing I said. It could be wrong. It could be right. But does that make sense to you? Well, sure. Yeah. I mean, my body appears in two of them, and I never thought I would appear in a bikini in a music video (laughs) in my whole life. But I worked with these two women directors that I, I trusted, and they had ideas and I thought it's just a body and so we saw their ideas through and I really I'm really happy with how they they turned out. Patrick's video is uh it's very lush uh watercolor that's mm-hmm. been digitally cut out and animated and he just had a free reign to to explore and and animate and that one may be a little a little less, but do you see a connection? 
Well, yes, that one is a bit more of an anomaly in that you're not in it, right? Right. 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 So the ones that I guess, uh, yeah, that's a good point, and I'm sorry if I've conflated the three in that sense. I, I think they are obviously united by your voice and your expression, but the two that feature your body seem seem to be connected to this concept of well, not a disturbing body, but the notion that you're you're exploring the body uh, on some right. level, and it's interesting. You kind of described it almost objectively, like I never thought I'd see myself in a video in this way. Like it's almost like yeah. an out of body. Sorry, no pun intended, but it's almost like an <laughs> it's almost like an out of disturbing body experience. Man, I really didn't intend the pun, and then I went whole hog. <laughs> Sorry, but there's there's some. Is that pedestrian to to connect the album title with what you're doing in those videos? No. No, okay. No, I don't think so. I I think that's what makes the term so arresting that it you know, it's used in a field that's totally divorced of the the human form, but that word is what conjures I mean the first thing when I hear body I don't think of a planet first I think of of a human yeah right yeah. right so putting yourself in there I mean in some cases people hire actors or actresses or models uh, yeah. to to represent the ideas but you you I think it takes a certain amount of confidence or as some people might say chutzpah to put yourself in a situation where you and your mostly bare body are present. Does that speak to something about any kind of confidence you now have that you didn't before about, you know, like here, it's just a body. It's That's what you said earlier. It's yeah. just a body. You didn't say it's just my body. It's just a body. <laughs> so, Well, yeah, I have a body and yeah. I needed a body <laughs> for the video. Well, I have one. Um, it was handy. Well, it was convenient. I mean, it's all, it's not, it's, it's on one part, yes, I embraced the role and I felt vulnerable both times, but I felt trust for the directors. And right. also, I mean, on the other hand, these were low to no budget videos yeah, so yeah. i mean i could have uh pinched some pennies and hired somebody but i just sort of tend i i'm used to using what i have uh, uh, and, yeah and i'm sorry for yeah. even suggesting that you would need to i just uh i'm bashful myself no no yeah right i i couldn't it's, do i couldn't do what you've done here um and so I think it takes a lot of confidence to do what you you did in these very artfully made videos. Like I, I sense that you're comfortable somehow, even though mm. you're you're being very vulnerable. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Are you a good swimmer? Yeah. I can't swim. Oh. I'm not buoyant. Like that. Uh, the other thing. I'm of, very buoyant. Yeah. <laughs> the disturbing body video disturbed me because I was like, <laughs> I I have a fear of the water. So. You spend almost the entirety of it, as I recall, underwater and filmed right. underwater. I couldn't, I'd be like panicking. I would have, sorry, this is more about me than you need to know. But I'm just saying, I, the bravery involved, was was that hard to do to be in the water for that long? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was. And I loved it. You know, I felt, I, I hadn't swam underwater in years because 
my ears would sometimes close up, so I had stopped. But yeah. as a kid, I loved diving. I loved diving and collecting things up off the bottom of the pool. Mm. And I felt like I was... I felt like I was learning how to move under the water again. Like it was sort of dance, dance, like being under there and feeling that weightlessness. And it really was a lot of time underwater, Yeah, you know, to, yeah. to make that video. Yeah. Yeah. I got the same feeling uh, from watching the, the disturbing body video as I got from the first time I saw the movie Jaws. <laughs> Just sort of like captivated, but afraid. Does that That's make sense? what we were going for. Yeah, good, good job. Beautiful, Thank Be- you. they're beautiful videos. And and where can people see those? By the way, I know they're on uh, YouTube. That's where I saw them. But is there like a um, a channel or whatever? That is a good question. I know that Boiled Records hosts the Flowers one, and then Natalie Logan hosts the Disturbing Body one. But okay. I think if you search for them, they should eventually yeah. appear. Sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to get too uh promotional, but I'll uh, I'll embed those in the primary post for this podcast if anyone's interested uh in, in watching at least one or two of them. Should we talk uh, just before we leave this, the flowers video dry land, but again That's right. <laughs> but again, a certain level of great level of vulnerability uh was that easier in any way or more difficult than the uh, previous video? It was more difficult. It was a much shorter shoot, but it was, I felt very naked and, (laughs) and I had to lie very still for a long time and people glued flower petals to me over several hours and, and I came back to life. Yeah. There's a death thing happening there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it has a, it's also a bit disturbing. I think if you combine the flowers video with the disturbing body video, you have the movie Jaws. That's it. <laughs> Someone's in the water, then they're dead. That's what Jaws is. If anyone, spoiler alert, that's what the movie Jaws... Have you ever seen Jaws, Steph? It's been a long time, but yeah. It's like my favorite movie. I like Jaws and The Godfather. <laughs> uh, they're different movies, obviously, for many, many reasons, but those are my like two... I just watched it a few months ago. I have it on. Wow. Turns out I have Jaws on Blu-ray. I don't even remember. But it, it makes sense. It's my favorite movie. Anyway, right. enough cool. about the water. I, I applaud you for your boldness and bravery uh, in those and the beauty of those videos. Like, they're really lovely. So, as I say, I hope people check them out. Let's get to Thanks. the sound of Disturbing Body. Um, mm. My wife and I have been listening to your record in the kitchen, uh, among other places. Like, I've I've been playing the record in, throughout the house and so the other day, my wife's like, this sounds like something, but I don't know what it is. I'm like, well, that's what most music kind of is. Um, but stylistically, uh, how would you characterize the tone here? I, I think in the biographical information, uh, there's been some obvious uh, allusions to bossa nova or, I don't know, French uh, chanteuse music has been invoked. But well, what is your take? Where did this sound come from for you? That's... I mean, that's, I guess, not a straightforward question for me. Hmm. Where did it come from? (laughs) Were there any particular, like, again, just going back to what we were discussing earlier about some of your other bands, we can agree it's, this is quite a departure from those sounds. Uh, I've seen you on Instagram with a classical guitar. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And, And so when I heard these songs for the first time, I'm like, oh, this is kind of what Steph has been working on 
or rather um, showcasing, I suppose, in little mm-hmm. Instagram clips. So there's something, was it the guitar that, is it as simple as that? Was it just exploring the classical guitar more? Oh, I see. Um, yeah, I think it, it was spending more time with the classical guitar. And I, I've had one around since I was a teenager kind of thing. So my last year of high school, I got a, a classical guitar teacher just for, I don't know, half a year or something. And so then would would play off and on just as a quiet bedroom sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so spending more time at the dining room table with the classical guitar instead of in a a jam space yeah. with an electric guitar. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, I mean, that's, that seems to be where, where they came from physically. Yeah. When you have an yeah. instrument that's a little more accessible and less disturbing <laughs> to others, <laughs> you end up fooling around with it more, I guess. Yeah. 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 And it suits the gentleness of the music. So, okay. That explains that. And, and fundamentally do each of these songs I'm trying to think. Do they all feature that kind of, that guitar sound? That's my primary instrument on this record. There is a song that was originally written on the nylon string, but we used an electric guitar with pretty spare power chords on the record. Okay. And Disturbing Body is primarily piano-based? I mean, it's there's my simple strumming in oh, that song, okay, okay. and then there is yeah some piano okay. and uh, bass and percussion. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, you let's talk about the instrument. We talked a little bit about the instrumentation. Uh, you worked with a couple of very great collaborators, people I respect a lot uh, in terms of the engineering and the and the pr- production. Do you want to talk about them at all, or do you do you wish? Uh, uh, to erase their names from history. No, oh, that sounded <laughs> sounded very harsh. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I I would happily talk about them. So Sandro Perry uh, produced the record and mixed it, and Scott Merritt engineered it, and they were uh, lovely people to work with. They seem yeah. to me, and I've worked with Scott before, and mm-hmm. uh, making a record, and he was pretty low key and encouraging but also hung back i can maybe see sandro being uh sort of the same way was it if did they bring things to the party so to speak that to these songs specifically that surprised you or or altered them in any particular way yeah definitely i one of the things that sandro discussed with me in pre-production was my vocal approach and up to that point, I didn't know that I had a vocal approach, really. <laughs> and I, I think that my perspective was, I want to sing the song the way the song wants to be sung. And in some cases, that means more of a warble or, or singing it softer or straighter. And I had been doing quite a bit of voice work on my own some of the songs I would write instrumental parts to that I would then sing but make my voice sound a little bit more like a different instrument Mm -hmm. and so some of that was bleeding into my 
my lyrical delivery as well in certain cases. So I felt like I was confronted with something of a um, identity crisis as a singer suddenly. Mm. You know, I'm being asked a question that I didn't really, I hadn't thought of. And Sandro suggested that I approach the songs in as plain a way as possible. Mm. And some songs that was a lot harder to do than I than I realized. And in the sessions, we would, you know, talk after a take. And maybe Sandra would ask me to try it again, but even plainer. And there was a song, I think it was, I think it was Flowers, I, in fact. And Scott Merritt said, when you deliver it like that, it, appears to me more as a poem and so I kind of carried that with me through the song I tried to sing very uh what's the word not legibly but to enunciate you know so that I could be understood just so just for my own clarification when Scott made that comment was that uh I don't want to say was that a criticism was he suggesting that you try that wasn't the approach the song needed uh no no i think that he i mean i found it a really lovely thing to say and i thought that that was oh he was complimenting you he wasn't suggest i guess when you when i if i were to hear that uh, uh based on not hearing your take on the, the take that he's talking about i would right. assume that you delivered the lines almost as if you were reciting poetry but what you're saying is he he was complimenting you on the phrasing. Well, the phrasing, but also, you know, the, the delivery more broadly. Right. And okay. I think as I made my voice plainer, the words were able to appear more clearly. Huh. And as opposed to say, I'm like sort of pinching my voice a bit to make it sound more like a clarinet. And then it's like, takes on the instrumentation of the, the the sort of sonic quality of the voice, the tone maybe starts to take precedence over the delivery of the poem, of the song, right. that kind of thing. Right, Yeah. Okay. If I might say, and I don't mean to uh, gush or embarrass you, but I, I think you actually have such a lovely speaking voice that... Oh, gosh. Well, I say this coming from the perspective who uh, I sound like a Muppet, and... <laughs> I have to edit my voice every week. Like, I mean, I have to edit this audio that I do every week. So I've I've made peace with my Muppet voice, you know, as someone who speaks a lot. But no, I, as you're describing what Scott's perception was and this experience you had, it just dawned on me, like, yeah, you sound like you have a, like you have a lovely speaking voice. So that would suggest to me that it makes sense to me that you would uh, apply... Like when you say planer, that's where I'm kind of hung up. I feel like okay, they're asking right. you to to sort of apply less of a sing-songy voice because you have. Well, I, is that wrong? Well, sing-song. Hmm. It's just that it, it's like um, so maybe a certain affect would appear sometimes. Like, right. Um, and it's hard to. It's not like I had a consistent approach to that. It's. It's like I was saying, maybe a certain song wants to be sung a different way, and I'm just, I'm just feeling it out. Um, yeah, yeah. But it wasn't a consistent approach, and 
I mean, one of the notes that Sandro had for me was that there might be a moment where he would catch an affect that would land somewhere and it would jar him out of out of ah, um, hmm. that the connection to the you know the intimate space of the record that kind of thing well i mean what a if i might say like what a great gift for you to have these two very seasoned people um, yeah yeah like i think that's that's excellent that you connected with of all the people you could connect with like that's great it's great to me because i hear sandro's some of his aesthetic influence here and there. I think you worked with some of the players that he often works with, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I could, yeah. that he's, you know, I'm not saying he's got a stacks thing going on there, but he's got, he does. He has a, when he works with certain people, he works with them and gets a certain sound. And I don't think you are getting that sound per se, but at the same time, I hear it. I hear an extension of what he, of his universe. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's cool. Um, well, Steph, we've covered a lot of ground here, I, I hope. Uh, yeah. Probably a little bit more of my neuroses in this one than <laughs> there needed to be. But is there anything more you want to say about the record before we get into the kind of the promotional stuff? I, I want to give you an opportunity to talk about, um, you know, where people can find the record and all those sorts of things. Oh, and then I, I did mm-hmm. say that you're playing Hillside. So if we want to talk about that performance, uh, maybe we could do that too. But in terms sure. of, uh, you know themes, concepts, anything we missed? Is there anything more you want to say about Disturbing Body? I just want to give you the space. Hmm. Nothing nothing comes to the forefront of my mind at the moment, but, you know, the players that we did bring in to work on the record each brought something so special, and there was a lot of room in Sandra's arrangements for improvisation, and I'm just so grateful for what for what these musicians contributed okay well yeah that's uh that's a lovely sentiment there um so i appreciate that and i hope i hope this was sort of enjoyable is this one of the first interviews you've done about the record yeah it is and uh definitely it's been enjoyable okay just making sure neuroses did i mention the neuroses (laughs) yeah i had that so let's talk about the hillside thing uh which is coming up uh this is a I believe, uh, did you do like a pre-recorded performance? Yeah, yeah, with the Hillside Tech team there. And how was that? Did you play with uh, uh, collaborators or was it just you? I just played solo and it was my first performance since the start of the pandemic, but there was no, no audience to riff riff with you know uh (laughs) banter i didn't do any banter because i thought it wouldn't i didn't think it would work if there was no audience you know it would be hilarious to me if every once in a while you were like where did you shoot this in guelph you probably shot it in guelph i'm guessing yeah so it would be hilarious to me if you were like what's going on guelph and just nothing nothing comes (laughs) back how's everybody doing nothing that would be funny. I that sorry. That would be funny. I should have been there to direct. No, I'm just kidding. That no, I know you're. Do you? You've performed a lot. I've seen you perform music a lot. Do you miss uh, performing live? I really do, and I. I mean, I felt pretty out of my element for for this pre-recorded thing. Just not having performed in a long time, you feel out of practice for the real thing kind of thing and uh yeah i miss i miss playing live i miss going to shows very much okay yeah 
Well, people can uh, check out this hillside performance uh, the weekend of July 23rd to 25th. And I think after that, it's kind of gone. So you have to, hopefully people are hearing this in time and you can learn more about it at uh, hillsidefestival.ca, right? I think that's correct. That yeah. sounds good. Sounds like it's correct. So that's good enough for you, uh, I think, and me. I sure think that's is. correct. I'll link to things, of course. But there was something that came out recently that suggested you are Montreal slash Guelph's cots. So where do you, and I, you know, normally when I say, where in the world are you? Someone's like, I'm at home. Here's how it's going. Where are you living these days, per se? Where do you where do you consider home these days, Steph? I I'm I'm back in Guelph for the moment, but I the plan is to be back in Montreal next year. Next and, year, okay. Uh, I was in Montreal for the winter. It was a hard winter. In oh yeah, Montreal, Montreal winters yeah. are hard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm a little bit a little bit limboish, but but Guelph. I've stopped in Guelph for the moment. Yeah. I've been doing a dumb thing where I ask someone from Guelph how Guelph's doing. And of course, what are they supposed to say? I mean, it's just whatever they've experienced. Some people are like, I haven't left my house. I don't know. What do you want me to say? Hmm. If I if I ask you this dumb question, like, and now you're just back, like, what's your, you know, I love Guelph. I, I miss Guelph. Is there anything you can tell me? Is Guelph doing okay? Is everything all right? I mean, in the grand scheme of things, I know there's a pandemic, but is Guelph okay? Things are strange, but I think... Things are getting better, and I think people are hanging in there. Okay. And uh, yeah, I think I think Guelph's okay. I think okay. it's I think it's okay to say that. <laughs> okay, just making sure. I, I like yeah. to check in with Guelph people. I've had a few on the show all of a sudden after mm. a long absence. So uh, of Guelph people. So I've. I've been getting that impression from others as well. So thank you for that. Okay, let's get down to the PT Barnum promotional part of the show in terms of telling people where they can learn more about COTS. We didn't even, I didn't even ask you why you're calling your thing COTS. Why isn't it just Steph Yates? What is COTS? What does that mean to you? I just wanted a, you know, a little layer of confusion and mystery. Okay. Well, you've done yeah. it. You've done it. I. Well, you know, okay, so cot, a COT is a a temporary structure, a, a small, narrow bed for a single, you know, a lone traveler, uh, somewhere to rest a weary head and have a daydream. You know, it's it's a nice, uh, I, I thought it suited the music. Yeah, no. Yeah. Good. See, I don't normally, I try not to ask dumb questions like, what is your band called that? But right. Cots is an interesting name. And... I, I, if you I, saw it on a show poster, would you, and you didn't know me, would you think it was a punk band? I would assume there was a sale uh, at a betting store. Uh, <laughs> I, I would assume there was some sort of discount. I, I'm a bargain hunter, so my eyes, would, my mind would immediately revert to, oh, I'm going to save some dough. I need a cot. You know, I got people coming over. No, uh, it's funny because it, you're an interesting case to ask about this. You were in a band called Esther Gray. And frequently, people thought you're, you were Esther Gray, right? Yeah. So you like to hide. That was a, that seemed almost deliberate. You like the playfulness and the confusion a little bit, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're being very blunt with your answers, yes. <laughs> so Cots is another sort of, there's a little mystification there. Uh, it's a solo project for you. 
And, uh, you know, this is not unusual for people to name their solo work after, uh, uh, you know, hide behind, not hide, that's the wrong word. Give it a name. So you've given sure. it cots, plural. It's the, yeah. So, ah, man, I really cracked the code at the end of this episode. <laughs> Independence, a little bit of alone. There's two cots. It's an well, inviting a, name. A series, a series of cots. How about that? Okay, so a I'm not. A string of cots. You could have called it cot, but yeah. there's an inviting notion to cots. May I? May I stretch this further? Go ahead. No, well, that's what that was it. I oh. feel like you call it, you, it's all about being a little bit alone and, and the gravitational pull between people and, and planets yeah. and whatever. So you, you, even though you're exploring that kind of independent isolation, two beds. There's at least, come on over. I've got at least <laughs> two cots, not just one. For me, there's at least two. Come on over. You can be in the basement. I'll be upstairs. There's two cots. Is that a weird way to go with it? I I think that your interpretation is just as legitimate as any. But that's that is just a pandering, pat answer. <laughs> you can tell me I I'm like wrong. It. I okay. like I like it that that you you know I, that's not where my mind went, but I like it. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. All right. I, I, let's leave it at that because I think we've psychoanalyzed you and your album enough for one day. Uh, mm-hmm. Why don't we tell people where they can learn more about COTS and this album, Disturbing Body? Are you capable of doing that? I think so. Um, I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> I, have nothing, I have nothing in front of me. <laughs> I hope to God. If I were a religious person, which I'm not, I would hope to God. I hope that you know something right now. Just words, right. uh, URLs. Okay, uh, here, here, here's one. Cotsmusic.bandcamp.com. There you go. There you can hear things. You could pre-order a vinyl record if you want. You can even see some of the videos up there if oh, you yeah. click on the the tracks. That's a, a thing I'm I just became aware of. Oh, um, cool. So Boiled Records is releasing the the record and. Mm-hmm. They've got so they they have their own Bandcamp. They have an Instagram. I have an Instagram, which is you know hard to find. So good luck. <laughs> good, not making it simple. You want to keep it kind of on the down low. Yeah, let's do that. Okay, I just I I, I will do that for you. I will help with that. Um, okay. Okay. So boiled records, uh, your Bandcamp page. That's all good. Uh, is it a? I ordered one copy of it on thank you vinyl uh is it a small run yeah we're doing a run of 200 yeah so it's very small okay so people want to get at it uh is that the plan like or would you do more if you ran out run, run out we'll see we'll see okay. what happens yeah. okay so i'm lucky i'm already feeling lucky that i ordered it as soon as you made it uh, available uh yeah and thanks for that oh yeah it's the least i can do okay Steph, uh, this has been wonderful. I want to go out on a song from the record. I don't know if you have a idea of maybe picking something that's uh, been circulating already or what have you, but if so, do you mind picking a song? And if so, do you want to explain why you chose it? Yeah, well, why don't we go with Flowers? Okay, and, and why did Flowers come to mind? Well, I guess because we, you know, we talked through the video so so thoroughly and it's it's a sort of somber day here, somber and moody, and, and maybe that makes me think about 
death. Steph, it's somber and moody. You're at the beach. I know there's a there was a tornado warning today. Oh, oh, okay. Plus, I don't know if you've seen the movie Jaws. <laughs> Beaches aren't always what they're you know they're not all they're cracked up to be. Let me just leave it at that. Let's play it for a moody day. I guess this is flowers by Cots from the beautiful, beautiful new album Disturbing Body. Um, Steph, this was very lovely uh, to chat with you. Thank you for your time and consideration, and I wish you the best of luck with Cots and everything else in the future. Thanks so much, Fish. Flowers on the body dead The flowers I sent Powder on the eyes of them They're too young to die Dying makes a sort of paste It's good for the eyes Dying makes a sort of cloud It broadens the sky It's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Oh, very special thanks again to uh, my friend Steph Yates of COTS for appearing on this, the 625th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and available wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't find an episode that you've heard about, you're looking for it, you don't know where it is, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, please visit my worldwide website, vishkana.com. You can like Creative Control on Facebook or follow the show on Twitter, at vishcreative. Or you can follow me on Twitter or on Instagram, or wait, and or Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter and or Instagram at Vishkana. I hope I hope that was worth it. Me going back like that? I hope that was worth it. Oh, also, please visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to sustain this podcast. $6 or more a month grants you access to exclusive content. And if you're interested in receiving a creative control t-shirt, Please message me on Patreon and I'll get you one while supplies last. They come in maroon and yellow with two different designs and I still have some. So again, message me on patreon.com slash creative control. Thanks again to the fine Alberta record retailer Blackbird Music, which you can learn more about and order stuff from them, I believe, on their website, blackbird.ca. Also... I want to thank Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton for their in-kind support for this show, all of those businesses in Ontario, Canada. So if you're in the area, Guelph or Hamilton, stop by, tell them I sent you. I don't think they'll give you a discount. They might give you an odd look more than anything. And maybe a free donut? I don't know. I don't know if they all have donuts, but you know what I mean. Go there, tell them uh, I sent you. It'll be fun. For me and them, probably. Thanks too to Jim Guthrie for letting me use music of his on the show. You can learn more about Jim and his wide ranging world of music at jimguthrie.org. If you uh, visit Jim, tell him I sent you. Just go knock on his door and say, Vish sent me. I want a donut. Finally, thank you for listening to this episode uh, with Steph of Cots. I hope you check out Disturbing Body when the full thing is out in August, and also that you check out these beautiful videos we discussed. And uh, otherwise, yeah, thanks for listening to this episode, maybe checking out older episodes, possibly subscribing to the podcast, telling your friends about the show to help spread the word about it. All of it means a lot to me. I will talk to you very soon. Have a good one. Bye for now. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.